0: Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host Tom Gerrard. Uh, this week I catch up with Newcastle-based artist Lucas Grogan. How you going, Lucas?
1: Good man. How are you?
0: Yeah, good. Thanks. Thanks for taking the time to sit down and have a chat. Thanks
1: for yeah. Thanks for asking.
0: Yeah, no worries. Like um, you know, we, st- we chatted about um, doing a podcast a while ago, but it didn't actually come about. But um, a few weeks ago, someone requested you, and I thought, oh, oh really? I've got to get back onto it. Yeah. Yeah, right. Cool. So, so yeah. Um. So, are you, are you from Adelaide? Like, I'm trying to piece together where you're from, but that
1: came up. No, I'm from the Hunter Valley. Hunter. So, I grew up, yeah, so I grew up like uh, out near Maitland. So, where, yeah. Where's that? What? Sort of near Newcastle. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Country yeah. boy.
0: I don't know why Adelaide came up.
1: A show I over remember.
0: there, right? Oh, okay. oh, I think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. And you, have you always lived over there?
1: um no so i um did uni in newcastle and failed and then moved to uh, melbourne for years and years and years and then i went to europe for uh, just over a year and then when i got back i didn't want to move back to melbourne at all sydney was crazy expensive and the studios that i wanted to move into there was nothing available and then i found this warehouse that's a few blocks off the beach it's 50 bucks a week and went you're laughing, so I'm doing that. Cool. Yeah.
0: And, um, and how like your uh, creative journey yeah. start? Were you creative as a kid?
1: Yeah, totally. Um, I did really well at school with art, but then when I hit uni, it just, uh, I just quickly realized it maybe not. Maybe it wasn't gonna be my thing because um, I was a shitty student and partied too much so, I failed painting and drawing, but I did really well at theory. And uh, so, I became a gallery rat pretty pretty quickly. So, by 18, I was working in galleries, and then um, I worked in galleries the whole time. That's all I did when I had a job.
0: Okay. And I take it you uh, you don't work in galleries anymore, apart from exhibiting in them? Yeah.
1: yeah. Not since 2012. Uh, yeah. No. Good. 11. 12. Thanks, man. <laughs>
0: Congratulations. Yeah. Live Living the dream. Yeah. It can be a bit
1: of a nightmare at times, but otherwise it's a dream. Yeah. In what ways is it a nightmare? Um, like uh, the work that I make takes a long time, so it means a lot of time in the studio. And then, yeah, so you just have to make sacrifices and you know what it's like. You've gone full time yourself. Uh, pay can be like floods and famines. So it's just about managing all that sort of stuff and yeah.
0: Yeah, because I was looking at your uh, your pieces, and I was just thinking, gee, they must they must take a lot of time to produce.
1: Yeah, they do. But um, like uh, I'm in the studio uh, from six a.m. until like five in the afternoon. Wow. Yeah,
0: you, you do that five days
1: a week. No, nah, I do seven when I'm working because I travel so much. Um, like that's sort of my weekend. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So when I'm working, I work seven days a week.
0: Okay. Do you do you feel like you get burnt out doing that?
1: Yeah, but I can always see the uh, upcoming holiday or travel. So, you know, I sort of, um, you know, keep that in mind. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So when you're um, like when you when you're you know, starting a new piece or anything because you know it's gonna take so long to produce do you like put a lot of um, a lot of thought and like pre sketches and all that sort of stuff or do you just go for it
1: I don't do any pre sketches at all um, my journals are all text so I'm always just like uh, thinking of a little bomb or I'll hear something in the news or I'll say something or just hear something funny or whatever so I keep all that down in my journals But, um, yeah, the studio is full of, like, half-done ideas. So it's sometimes more about stitching those ideas together and just sort of committing to a gigantic piece and just getting it done. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry, go. Oh, no, sometimes, like, um, if the piece is massive and it's taking me weeks, I'll make sure I've got a couple of uh, other small things on the go so that, If I get burnt out on one, I can switch to the other, which is generally like a different practice. Like it might be a needlepoint or an actual painting, painting, and then I'll go back to the ink work and do it that way. So, you know, you're still working, but you're just having several things on the burn at the same time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I like to work like that as well. I find sometimes there's those pieces, you just, I don't know, it's like torture going back to them. It's really weird. But when you finish them, it's really satisfying.
1: Yeah, like my quilts, they take me a year to make each. Wow. So, yeah, that's yeah, that's a long time. So there's no point of having a sketch for those sort of works because you'll get sick of it if you already have a plan. But every day you just sort of add a new bit to it and it becomes a new thing and this thing that you didn't expect to happen.
0: So I know you get asked this a lot, but – um. Like you work with a very minimal color palette and it's like distinctive and it's only using blues and whites. Like, um, how'd that all come about?
1: Um, it's, uh, well, initially all through university, I just did black and white things. And, um, it was, uh, like a problem solving exercise in a sense because, you know, being a broke uni student, all I had to do was buy two colors and away I went and, uh, I don't really like color, and I've said this sort of stuff before, but like, um, I'm more interested in pattern and text and line work and stuff like that, so uh, transitioning into like making blue and white works, I get the different colored tones by the different way I apply the white, so that's what I'm interested in, and um, I don't know, other people are better at color than I am, so it's just not my thing.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Each to their own, eh? yeah no I think but it really works for you because like you know it's, it, when you see your work it's it's obviously you
1: yeah I guess the other cool thing about it is like I can transition to whatever different medium that I want to but having it all blue and white it all connects directly and people are sometimes uh, initially confused about whether it's a drawing a painting or like an embroidery so having those two colors together it just sort of joins everything yeah In a coherent way for audiences
0: yeah so you can be um you know free to express yourself however you want but um it it just ties everything together
1: absolutely and again it's an economic decision I still only have to buy two colors yeah (laughs)
0: yeah (laughs) so do do you buy like a dark blue and just mix it mix different amounts of white in and you get your tones or, or do you just buy like a whole array of blues
1: um when I do my murals I buy two blues and then mix the rest and then for my exhibition work it's like maybe one or two different blues and then tone it all out. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's good. I, I think it's really strong. I, I, um, I love it. It's got a very, um, like a coastal vibe to it.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah. But uh, last year, did you hear about that Yemen blue that got invented? No. So last year, the, some scientists accidentally created this new uh, blue Pantone that they turned into uh, uh, an acrylic. Mm-hmm. But it's the same price as gold. So whilst they did sampling of it, they sent it uh, off to artists all over the place to um, to test and see what you could do with it. And um, I was, got my hands on a tube of it. So that's pretty cool. But they're discontinuing it. So oh, too expensive.
0: oh, people
1: can't afford it's to great. sell it. Yeah, <laughs> it's the same price as gold. Yeah. So that was cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I watched a, um, a documentary years ago. On the uh, the history of the color blue, and that was really really exciting because they um oh, yeah. they didn't have um they, like blue was like a color that they just it's it's hard to make from yeah you because know, if all the pigments come from nature, but there was wasn't really anything good that was blue that they could make a solid pigment out of.
1: Yeah, lapis in the uh, Catholic Church, yeah, and the Venetians, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It was really cool. Like and then when people started using blue, people were blown away.
1: Yeah, it's amazing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um so we all, as you mentioned before you uh you like working with a lot of type as well yeah and um and you said you journal a lot and that's where you get your type from like um like where do you look to uh to get all your text
1: well i listen to just like so many podcasts it's not funny um i don't listen to music in the studio really i do that sort of at home but um yeah it's definitely 100 percent podcasts. Yeah. so i think i Think I've got maybe a hundred on regular, like loop that I listen to. So, yeah, <laughs> that's a and lot. I just, yeah, I just sit there and listen to it.
0: Yeah, I get I get podcast burnout sometimes where I just have to chuck some tunes on. Oh really? Yeah, I love it. Right. Like I find I can go mon- Monday to Wednesday or Thursday lunchtime just all podcasts, then I get to the uh, get to the end of the week and I just gotta get some tunes going. Yeah, righto. Get my foot tapping.
1: <laughs> I guess I do that because I listen to comedy ones, and then I listen to ultra political ones, and yeah, everything in between.
0: Yeah. So, so what are the, some of the um, like the subjects and messages you're looking for when you're creating your text?
1: Just sort of unique insights, and like sometimes I'll hear a statement, and then I'll have a view on it, and I'll write the, I'll riff off the statement. You know, like a, like I heard one today, like a. And I just started, like, playing around with that text and, like, maybe I'll use that. But uh, there was an article by David Ma and he said, uh, um, in response to, like, the gay marriage vote, he finally felt like he was real relaxed and alive. And I was like, oh, that's nice. I like that idea. Mm. So, yeah, written that down.
0: Yeah. And, and when, you're, when you're applying it to your artwork, like, have you ever studied typography or you just work with your handwriting?
1: I just work with my handwriting. Yeah, um, yeah. Nah, I've never studied typography yeah. or graphic design. Do
0: so. you look look at books or anything like that, and like uh, look at different fonts, or you just just nah. whatever comes out of you?
1: Yeah, I don't do that sort of stuff. No, I just um, I kind of feel like I've got my set way I write text, and I do everything in capitals. Mm. But, um Yeah, I don't really think about that sort of stuff. Yeah,
0: but, yeah. No, that's that works because um you know, you, you you own your handwriting don't you you know
1: yeah the, and the flaws in that handwriting will make it look more uh, unique so yeah
0: yeah exactly I've always um always hated my handwriting and and then uh, a friend of mine who's a typographer said um oh I really like your handwriting it's really unique and it's like and after he said that it's it was the first time anyone had ever complimented my handwriting I was like ah oh, I thought, oh. Maybe I can work with this. <laughs> I never yeah. got my pen license in school or anything.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm a left-hander and hold the pen all weird and everything. So it's, um, no. now I just embrace it.
1: Um, I think it was funny. Like I use uh, text so much. Like I just recently uh, did these series of library works where mm-hmm. it's got thousands and thousands of book titles that I've made up. And um, what happens sometimes is that you make accidental spelling mistakes. So that's the hardest thing that I that I have to overcome. So I have to get someone to proofread it sometimes when there's that much text in it, because uh, you don't want that going up on the wall, yeah. and then someone oh that's dumb, that's not how you spell it. Whoops. <laughs> shit. Yeah,
0: that was um I was I was looking at the photos for that show. It looked, looked really good. That was in Paris, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. So that was just yeah I've just been in Paris and we were showing those new works there. How that all come about? Um. So I got picked up. Uh, start of this year um, by Yavu's gallery out of Singapore and um, he's just done great guns for me um, yeah I had a show in Singapore earlier this year and then Tokyo with him and then Sydney Contemporary and then Paris so and then, yeah so it's just been yeah we just get along really well professionally we do well for each other and yeah we just really really like each other so it's good it's worked out really well.
0: Cool. And um, the, the works you showed in um, Singapore, were they the same pieces you showed in Paris as well?
1: Nah, different. Yeah. So, yeah, they were all comments on, uh, it was a show called Antipodean Inquiry, uh, curated by Owen Craven. And um, how that, like I made these, what just looked out like tripped out patterned paintings, but they had text all embedded into them. So they said things like, this is a landscape painting. Of trees and cows and shit, or this is a video art that you have to rush by so it doesn't waste any more of your time. Stuff like that.
0: Yeah. 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 Because I was looking at the um the library show in uh in Paris, and it did like it fits so well on the wall. Like it's like I take it you um custom made those pieces to fit in that space because it looked like an actual library.
1: Thanks, man. That was exactly what I did. Yeah. Yeah, and I just got it right by five mil. <laughs> That was touch and go. So, yeah,
0: yeah. I know I've been I've been working a lot on wooden panels, and um, and now I get a frame made, and it's like if if it's just out by a mill or two, you can sort of just shave it off or sand it back. You know, yeah, yeah. when you're working on canvas, you, 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 that's it. <laughs> you can't do anything.
1: Yeah, but that little I uh, use like a grey border on it, so that gives you a little bit of leeway on it, so you can get away with um, stuffing up the dimensions too much. But yeah. I used to. Do- I used to do all my works on uh, wood panel as well, but now I'm showing like overseas and stuff. Some countries won't let the wood in, or it's too expensive. So I've had to um, I've had to swap over to like a polymer canvas this year, just so I can ship things more affordably. And yeah, it's a bit of a learning curve, but it's going pretty well, I think.
0: Yeah, and um, are you happy working on canvas now?
1: uh no not a hundred percent just got the scale like um even when you like uh, put it up on the like pin it up on the wall unstretched um you know any little imperfection shows through so that's annoying but um yeah i mean i'll get there the polymer is really nice because i buy like a uh, pre gessoed mm-hmm. so it saves me so much time as well instead of like belts in, in like marine ply to get it perfect or and then coding it and coating it and coating it. But yeah, this roll, you can just pretty much go at it.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah. So you um, you buy a big roll of canvas, chop it up to size, then paint, and then stretch it later?
1: Yeah, stretch it later. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Probably much more, um, saves a lot of space in the studio as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then um, also just like takes the pressure off, like uh, if you do want an already stretched canvas and you stuff it up for whatever reason, You've got to rip it off the frame and stuff like that and you can damage it. But uh, if I do it on unstretch and then stretch it after, do you know what I mean? It just, yeah, you can just roll it up and chuck it away at yeah. the time. Yeah.
0: So um, looking at your pieces, you have like a mixture of like, you know, perfection mixed with the looseness of the hand. Like, do uh-huh. you use a lot of tools um, to create your work?
1: No. <laughs> no. Um, uh no, just uh, like what do you mean like a like a like a compass or anything like yeah, that Yeah,
0: like you've got like all these big perfect circles and then yeah, you know, but different shapes and
1: yeah, but they're not perfect. Like um, using the pattern so if I can start to see that the the circle isn't looking perfect, the next pattern ring in, you can draw the eye into the illusion that it looks perfect. Oh, so perfect. Yep. But they're not perfect at all. Okay. They just I just appear that way.
0: Yeah, because I, I find circles are a real bitch to get um, get right. You know, like you can. I don't know. I, I, I just find if I was just even just to do a drawing of of like a car or a, a bicycle or something like that, I just wouldn't do it. Or I'd do it with no wheels. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just have a nightmare with them unless I'm using some sort of instrument to create the circle.
1: Well, I get no. That's like with some of my murals, I've used like a, a nail and a bit of string, mm-hmm. but um. Yeah, keep it pretty loose and just use the the guide as just yeah, just a just as a guide, not to like make sure that it's absolutely perfect. Yeah, because you know, with the murals, like they say, like it's for looking at, not sniffing at. So, like, yeah, just try and keep it as loose and especially handmade looking as possible.
0: Yeah, I think it's um I think it's good to work in that way because I've I've worked with a, a few different artists who um. You know, everything's perfect with their shapes. Like I was, I was painting with um, uh, with Brad Eastman uh, a couple of months ago, and everything he he paints like it's vectors, and it's like I, I can't work like that at all because I'm just too messy. But I, I like working just with hand, like you know hands straight on. And he's like, he was pulling me up saying that's not perfectly centered, and it's like I'm ha. looking and going. You know what? It isn't, but uh, and I ended up changing things because I well collaborating. But I know if it was for me, it'd be like, ah, oh, it's centered enough, you know, and just work, you know, work with that. But I, I yeah, really, really like just having, uh you know, just just going with the flow and doing everything by hand and I
1: Yeah, hand. I like that sort of like, uh, you know, art brute naive looking, but um, that, that sort of naive symmetry, I think is. I, don't, I just find it really interesting and um, like I said like I just love the look of uh, the handmade as opposed to like a a projectionist sort of uh, finished work
0: yeah, yeah. Totally. totally it's 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 the flow going with the flow it's not for everyone that's why everyone's different it's uh it's great but um I guess you and I are on the same page with that. yeah totally yeah so um you mentioned before that you are you know, you've been hooked up with uh, Yavu's gallery in Singapore and it's yeah. like, opened up a lot of doors for you. Like, like how did that all come about? Um,
1: well, uh, I've got another... I've got Martin Brown in Sydney who I show with and uh, Hugo Michelle in Adelaide. And, uh, yeah, so I've always um, had galleries, gallery representation, which is really, really lucky. And... Um, yeah, so just word of mouth, just showing in art fairs and stuff like that and just following up invitations, you know. Yeah, that's how it happens. Just yeah. Um, yeah. saying yes when opportunity comes knocking. Cool.
0: And how did the gallery representation start in the first place? You said, you know, with like Hugo, Hugo Mitchell and, and you know, Sydney-based galleries and stuff.
1: Um. Like, uh, like I started talk, like with Hugo, Hugo's got a project space. So he invited me to do a small project space, you know, which is the size of like a tiny bedroom. And, uh, as opposed to his epic main gallery. So, um, he asked me, did I want to do a project space? And it's really good not only to just commit to doing a project space as opposed to a solo, because, you know, what if, uh, What if you and the gallerist don't get along or you don't work well together or what if his audiences over there don't like me or, you know, I don't like them or so doing those small little project spaces or activities together initially is really good to suss out whether you're going to work well together and um, I work really well with my galleries that I work with. So, you know, even on a personal relationship, we get along really well. Yeah that's
0: good important for business
1: yeah absolutely and so much of that art world stuff is a social game so it's like you know you need to turn up to events you need to meet people you need to say you know that sort of stuff and people work with people they like yeah unless they're brilliant and amazing (laughs)
0: so um how does it work having a gallery representation like does it does it put limitations on you as far as what you can do and where you can show, or does it really open things
1: up for you? Um, <clears throat> there are a couple of different like side effects, like like straight off the cuff admin gone, so I don't have to like send invoices and do all that sort of stuff anymore. Um, also, like uh, you can like I was selling my work okay initially, and back in the early days, I refused a lot of representation because I was like, well, you know, I'm doing all right. I I don't want to split my hard-earned cash for my work with someone else but then you start to like uh, especially larger pieces like more expensive pieces like people need the trust of a gallerist in a sense or um, yeah to facilitate that sale or go on to payment plans or something like that and then the other thing is like uh, the people I work with there they're connected to people that I'm not connected with you know so that sort of uh, endorsement in a sense, gets you into uh, different places that you couldn't uh, potentially get on your own. Um, yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. I, hundred I, percent I agree because I've had people, you know, buy my artwork to then sell on, and they've told me that's exactly what they're going to do, and um, and it's opened it's- up, open up doors for me because they've put me in contact with people, and they've said, "Oh, I've just spoken to this person." And they want you to create some more paintings and you know so on and so forth and it's and it's all because of you know just them sort of speaking about me to the right people it's uh you know and I take it that's how galleries work as well like I'm, I'm not represented by any galleries at all but um yeah I'm not opposed to it <laughs> early, days, early days man early days yeah totally totally so um yeah are you- you signed- sorry are you, go-
1: are you signed up to the resale royalty scheme Yeah no. people are if people are buying your work and then on selling it, you should be signed up to the resale royalty scheme because you it. get. I didn't t- know oh, mate! You get ten percent for the rest of your life. Every time that's resold, the seller has to then pay you ten percent, unless you have like a pre-arranged agreement.
0: Okay, all right. Uh, so I'm if it, it turns, to...
1: up, if it turns up at an auction house or um, someone like buys a work of yours and then drops it into a different gallery to uh, deliberately on sell, you get ten percent of that. For the rest of your life, man. Okay. So it comes in as like really passive uh, income. So Hmm. okay,
0: because I I I knew about that, but I didn't know how you get uh get involved with it. So I take it's something you just sign up for online.
1: Yeah, it's free. Yeah, free to sign up for. Yeah.
0: Okay, because I used to work at um, Christie's auction house in London, but I was just doing graphic design there. But I knew that people were getting their art, you know, a commission off the sale of their art. But I just didn't know how it all worked out. I hadn't hadn't looked into it.
1: <laughs> there you go, man. Ah, cool. Get it.
0: Ah, thanks. All right. Um, you know, it's like you've built up a uh, a great career for yourself. Like, have you been strategic in your approach to your career?
1: I think you have to be because um, before I went um, like before I went full time studio, I was working in commercial galleries, like selling like top tier Australian artists' work for a living. And, um, so I saw behind the scenes, like how that all happens and like how it's done, who does well and why, like, what are the things, like you see a lot of stuff that gets, uh, you know, published like online, like exhibitions and stuff like that. But there are so many little micro sales that are happening left, right and center, you know, commissions and yeah. So it's just a really great insight. So I just sat there and just watched for the first few years and, yeah, just picked it all up bit by bit, like, um, like how to uh, get different, uh, like, media avenues to expand your audience. Like, like for instance, a good example was, like, uh, I was working at this gallery in Melbourne with, like, you know, big guys. And uh, their media, sorry, their uh, mailing list were near identical for all the artists. So it's all the biggest collectors. And they were all, like, just suffering from fatigue about being contacted by the same galleries, you know, harassing them to come and buy more work. So I wanted to make sure that I was going to, I don't know, introduce my work to new audiences and then potentially, you know, they might be young at the moment, but maybe, you know, in 10 years' time they might be interested in going, yeah, I remember that guy, from that was cool, and so i need to get one now, they've got some cash. Mm. So that's strategy, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've always thought that as well. It's like, you know, the, you plan on having a, a long art career and you d- never know who the young people now are going to turn into in the future. So it's, um, it's always good to connect with uh, all different age groups, I guess, because, right. um, you know, you plan, I plan on being in it for a while. <laughs> you know, I'm not popping in and it out. This is uh, you know, something I've worked a long time to, to get to. So you just don't know who anyone's ever uh, going to turn into in the future.
1: Absolutely. But also having a a really diverse practice. So like you're, you know, you might do a mural here or you'll do a quilt. So you're introducing your work to different uh, spheres of the art world that, you know, if I just did quilts, maybe like, maybe no one would ever know about my murals. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. so I keep trying to keep it as diverse as possible and, you know, getting the opportunity to work with different companies and collaborations and stuff like that. Like that's sort of not only passive income but it's sort of passive uh, advertisement as well
0: yeah yeah was there um, like one painting or uh, or project that you felt really boosted your career
1: um probably Movida when I did that Movida mural Mm -hmm. Um, so years and years ago I think it was like 2010 11 something like that it was like just shortly a year or two after I just moved to Melbourne and um, I did a little show at this uh, gallery just off uh, Hosey Lane, and Movida approached me to paint that mural, and that was the first one I ever did. So I was a, <laughs> I was a bit nervous, but uh, it turned out all right. No, it looked
0: great. I was looking at it this morning. Uh,
1: yeah, but I told him I wasn't a street artist at all, and they just said, "Yeah, we don't care, just go for it." I was like, "All right, done." Yeah, so.
0: I think uh, a lot more like um, you know, studio yeah, artists are getting, uh, getting mural work now as well, which is great because it's not just um, street artists doing it all.
1: Yeah. And a lot of street artists are doing like a lot, of, lot more collaborations with companies that you wouldn't uh, like initially associate with like street, you know, they're not doing skater clothes. They're doing like carpets and rugs and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, that's cool. You know?
0: Yeah. So you, you mentioned before about your quilts. Like how'd you get into sewing and making quilts?
1: Um, just being broke. So I was working full time. Um, I lived in this tiny little place and I wanted to make big work. I couldn't afford a studio. And I'm like, well, how do I make big work? And so, uh, on the way to work on the tram, I would, uh, sew little patches that were, you know, quite explicit. And then over time I had enough of them and I just started sewing them together. And after the space of a year, I had this, you know, basically king size, unfunctional um, quilt and got invited into a show, started showing it, and the rest is history. So,
0: yeah. Cool. Yeah, I really like them. Like like some of them work as big paintings almost, but they're not paintings. They're, you know, they're sewed together. Whereas others are like like that. I was looking at one, uh, The Shroud. Oh, yeah. And, And as well as being like a piece of art, like there's references in there that says, you know, I'm a quilt. Not a painting, you know yeah, like says like yeah you know, he 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 lies your wildest dreams and worst nightmares and and things like that i I really like that,
1: oh thanks, man, yeah. um but yeah, that's a different like a when I was in Europe, that's the only thing I did for a, a whole year, so I would travel from place to place, and if it rained or if I was oh, say if it rained or if I was bored or something like that, um I would just unroll it and away I'd go, you know, so just little by little. And whatever happened the day before, I would sew onto the quilt. Cool. So, cool. Yeah. How, how many went, have you made now? I think fourteen.
0: Okay.
1: Oh. So yeah, fourteen all up.
0: Have, so
1: have
0: you added just quilt show, or do you um? No. Do you just put one in randomly with other other paintings?
1: Yeah, they're always like a, I've only ever exhibited one at a time through like they they make sense thematically in the show. But um, yeah, the big dream one day is to get all my quilts in the same place at the same time, but they've all been collected by like institutions and stuff like that. So it's going to be tricky to do it. So I don't really know. I don't know. It might be like a, a later in life type thing, but yeah, I think about that.
0: Yeah. A retrospective.
1: Yeah. Just the quilts.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's good to know that you're, uh, you're actually making them yourself as well, because you know some people are you know, doing textile work and designing it and then sending it off to get manufactured?
1: Yes. No, I do everything uh, myself by hand. Like, um, I mean, I've hired a studio assistant, like, once or twice, and that's just to, like, paint a board white or blue and sand it. Then everyone always says to me, like, why don't you get a studio assistant? I'm like, yeah, because I don't have any plans. I just make it up as I go along. Mm. So I guess if I was more organized, I I could have one, but, you know... I just don't, I do it, like I, for a, a gigantic mural, i get an assistant into a patch, but that's about it.
0: So getting back to your murals, like I, re- I was looking at a few of them online and I've also seen some in person, but it was, it was really great to see how you work with the space. And like, instead of just like plonking an image on a wall, you sort of look at where everything can sit and, and work with the shape. Um, yeah, definitely. Do you put a lot of thought into the compositions of the mural?
1: Uh, yes and no I say like um, like I don't love doing them to be honest because they're a lot of hard work and going up and down ladders but uh, like for instance that Fitzroy one on the corner like like at that time I was being offered a lot of murals and I was like nah that looks like a shit spot well, it's, I don't want to do that but when they offered me that one on the corner I went oh I know exactly what I can do with that so how I approach that one is that I made it so that when you went around the roundabout, that's immediately in front of it, it. I hoped that the eye would actually follow you around, and that you'd end up with actually three murals: so one on either side and then straight ahead. And I really liked that idea. So, mm. yeah.
0: Yeah, I saw. Uh, I was in Bali the other month, and I saw the one you did at Old Man's. Yeah, I was there the other day. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you are. Uh, you covered a lot of space, and it was really highly detailed. Were you, were you like based there for a while while you were doing that?
1: I was there for for a month when I did that. So, um, yeah, I was actually just hanging out with the owner just the other day and we were sitting sitting there just having a beer and we just saw maybe three or four busloads of people get out, queue and have photos in front of them. And I was like, this is so weird, man. Because when we first did the murals, there was nothing there. Like the place hadn't been finished or even begun to get started to get fit out. But I did the murals because of my timing. There were no other restaurants around. And now it's just fucking everywhere. Yeah, so yeah. exploded. Yeah, when I first went there, there was nothing. So yeah. I don't
0: know. It's like a little city now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but
0: uh, I was also looking at your um your cyclone paintings. Like, like, right. can you tell me a bit about them? Because they're a really interesting concept.
1: Which ones? The uh, the ones in like the mural or the actual works that I just showed uh, over the first? works. Oh. Yeah, so I made the, because um, at the same time that I was doing the libraries, which were all text heavy, I had my show in Perth coming up, and um, so I didn't have any text really in me to give to that, so to uh, I just started making all these gigantic pattern works, and then I just sort of thought, yeah, sure, they're ultra detailed and stuff like that, but um, I decided to cut them all up into circles, and then reposition them in different ways, so um, I made these, like I wanted to do like a Henry Moore-esque, like reclining nude sort of shape, but turn it into a cyclone. And so I then decided, like it was a, a linear drawing that was completely patterned. Um, the pattern didn't break either, which uh, I liked doing that sort of stuff. And then I decided to cut a circle, a series of like five mil circles that radiated into the middle and then shifted them again into a pattern, taped them on the back and then had them framed. So. They look trippier than they than they were when they before they were cut, but I think that they're a way more interesting work. I don't know, just quietly. I'm actually really pleased with like the cyclone, the hurricane, and the typhoon. Hmm. So yeah,
0: yeah, they look really cool. Like I, it's you know, as I was saying earlier, it's like you're doing all these completely different styles and um, different outputs of your work, but it's, it's it's all you. You know, you can really tell it's you.
1: It's blue and white. It's all connected. So yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: So, um, so do you have any up and coming projects on the go? Because you sound like you've been really busy the last few months.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah. So just back from Paris. I went and had meetings in London and uh, Singapore and Bali. But next year I've got shows in um, Singapore again, Tokyo and LA. So that's pretty exciting, and a couple of little group shows here in Australia. But um, yeah. Cool. So. Non-stop. Yeah, and then the year after is booked as well. So it's pretty fucking hectic.
0: What, two thousand and
1: nineteen? Yeah. Wow. But, so, but I need that long. I need that that lead up time. But you can't, like, you can't just go, "Hey, do you want to have a show next week?" I'm like, nah, I don't have anything." Hmm. So, yeah, I'm just trying to organise myself a little bit better in that regard.
0: Yeah, makes <laughs> sense.
1: So I'm not like sweating balls constantly trying to like <laughs> keep up with the rat wheel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So um. So where's the best place for people to check out your art online?
1: Um. Probably my Instagram, but I'm using it less and less every day. Um. I just feel like it's having a bit of a. Uh, I don't know. I'm getting a bit over it, to be honest. Yeah. I know what you like, mean. <laughs> like, no, just in the sense of like, like I feel like oh I'm looking at it. I was. I felt like I was looking at it too much, and then going like oh they're doing really well. Look at their follow account, and then you go oh, they don't really have like careers or anything like that. But, you know, oh, maybe I should start doing that sort of stuff. Oh, that looks like it's popular. And then it was sort of changing what I thought about the work that I was making in too much. And so I just was like, I need to back off this for a while and just, yeah. And I definitely keep all my personal stuff off it. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, um, I try and avoid it a lot. But what's, what's your Instagram account if people want to check it out?
1: X, Lucas, Grogan. Yep. Yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, um, thanks for uh, taking the time to sit down and have a chat.
1: No worries, man. Thanks for the offer.
0: Yeah, no worries. I'm, um, yeah, it's been really great to find out more about your uh, your career and your art. Oh, thanks, man. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. To find out more about today's guest, go to benchtalkpodcast.com. There you will find all previous episodes and images of the guest's artwork. Also, follow us on Instagram, Bench underscore Talk. There you can keep up to date with all things that are happening with the podcast. Bench Talk's also streaming on SoundCloud and Facebook. Just simply search for Bench Talk Podcast. Or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. While you're there, don't forget to rate and review. It helps get the word out. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to tell a friend. Thanks again for tuning in and stay tuned for next week's episode. Bye.